Let's sit. Let's learn. Let's evolve. Let's talk. No more whispering in our minds. Today is Let's Talk Arts with your host, Rachel Sara. Today I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands on which we are broadcasting, pay my respects to elders past and present, and extend that welcome to all mob who are listening. Welcome back to another episode of Black Arts. I'm your host, Rachel Sara, and every week I feel like I just am blessed with the most talented, creative people who not only inspire me, but hopefully inspire all of you listening. This week is absolutely no different. We are joined by someone who I have had on my list for the last 52 and a bit weeks. I have wanted this person on that whole time and they just seem to get get busier and busier doing cooler and cooler things. So I think the timing is absolutely right for this guest to come on the show. We are joined by the wonderful Grace Lillian Lee. How are you, sis? Hello, I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me. That was very nice to get the invitation. Oh, of <laughs> course. Like I said, you've been on our list for so long. You're just so talented and inspiring. But before we get into all of the reasons why that is the case, <laughs> we start all of our shows with the same question, who your mob is and where you grew up. Yeah, so I'm a descendant of the Dula family from the Eastern Islands of the Torres Straits from Murray Island. And I celebrate my culture through weaving. Um, And it's something that's very close to me and something that I will continue to do (laughs) for the rest of my life. (laughs) I love that. I meant to message you before this. I (laughs) random. (laughs) I'm going to lead with I saw you on RBT, but not for the reasons people (laughs) might think. But I was watching RBT the other night and they were in uh, Melbourne going underneath your uh, work on it. And I was like, oh, oh my God, wow. there's Grace's work. But I can't obviously be like, <laughs> hey, everyone, Grace is on RBT. <laughs> but let's <laughs> detract. I guess let's not go into that uh, phase of the conversation. But let's get listeners up to speed. And I'm sure people would have to be living under a rock to not know who you are and your incredible work. Because I feel <laughs> like you've got your hands in so many different pies. But let's go back to kind of... Little Grace, and then also Grace now, who are you and what is it exactly that you do? (laughs) I guess where it all started for me was I was brought up in Cairns in far north Queensland, um, which we like to call Mm Gimoy. And my father was an artist and he also had an art gallery and my mother's a hairdresser. So for me, I was surrounded by you know, my parents being quite um, entrepreneurial themselves Mm. and supporting artists within our region. And I didn't realise that until years down the track that I was very much influenced by my mum and dad. Mm. And so for me, I think there was a long time of where my father and I were, like I saw what he was doing within our communities and it was something that wasn't really celebrated within our family, our Torres Strait Island lineage. And it was something that I think my father was fearful of in regards to, you know, really being 
loud and proud about his identity. Mm. And so that made me as a young child question, like, why? Mm. (laughs) Um, So for me, it was something that I really wanted to, once I learned more and connected with my family, it made me realise that we don't need to be ashamed or or hide who we are and where we come from. Mm. So it was something that I think inherently just came about that I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do and this is who I am. And yes, my name is Grace Lillian Lee and I am also Chinese, but there is a big part of me that, you know, my grandmother, that's the part that I really want to celebrate because it's something that wasn't put forward in Mm. my upbringing. So Mm. yeah, that's why I felt there needed to be a change. And I thought I could do that through my art practice and I've been really um, embraced not only by my family, but the community because of, what I'm doing. And mm. so I'm really grateful that I've had the opportunity to do that. And I continue to do that. I think the interesting thing is how people come to nurture their creativity, because I think this show is designed to shed a light on how powerful the creative industry can be for social change, for expressing our culture and celebrating our culture and reviving our culture in many ways. I think when I grew up, like when I said to people I was going to become an artist or do a design degree at university, it was very dismissed as like, you're not going to go anywhere. You're not going to... Yeah. Yeah, you're like <laughs> you're not going to get anywhere in the arts. But I think you and I both and many other people are a testament to how powerful the arts industry can be. Um, but Totally. So obviously you've told us about your dad inspiring you and your mum being a hairdresser. What was it that kind of made you particularly interested in the fashion industry? I thought that it was something tangible that I could put on myself Mm. and it could transport me to another world. There was an op shop across the road of um, our home and I would go there every weekend because you could fill a plastic bag for $5 and I couldn't buy clothes for myself, but I could fill a bag for $5. (laughs) (laughs) So it meant I was able to create these looks that I was dreaming of and just creating another world. So yeah, it kind of evolved from there, I think. And just for me, it was something that I could be a part of because mm. I could put it on me mm. versus something on the wall. And I was seeing a lot more like dad was very much within the space of artifacts and mm. a history center and things like that, which I was like surrounded by. But then there was this fashion part of me that was like really keen to get involved in and seeing my mum in the in hairdressing and doing shows through hair um it made me I guess I was exposed to that and it just continued from there and then of course at at high school we had a wearable art competition that was (laughs) on every year and I cared more about that than my actual um end of year (laughs) grade so that was every year I was focused on what am I going to make for this wearable art competition and it was a real challenge it was like a sport for me and I was (laughs) like I I really want to do well (laughs) and my dad and my mum would get behind and support and mum would dad was always about you know making sure that I'm thinking about construction and not Mm. just putting it on um so yeah it's evolved from wearable art to something that is continued to be wearable art and it's just 
it's bizarre. It's crazy yeah. to think that it's come so far. Your mm. work is so eye-catching and I own a few of your necklaces and every time <laughs> I go into like places like Aboriginal Art Co and see your work, I'm like, I need this, but like <laughs> how many Grace Lillian Lee pieces can you have? And I think the answer is unlimited <laughs> really. But what I love about your work is it draws on traditional aspects of your culture and art making, but it brings it to this beautiful contemporary like space that I feel like for a long time was a really untouched market in a way. Can you talk mm. to us a little bit about like what it is to bring, I guess, that traditional technique into contemporary fashion and mm. art and like how you've been able to achieve that? In 2010, I connected with Uncle Ken Thide and um, he was just very encouraging of my practice mm. and he and I worked closely together years down the track. But at the beginning, he just wanted to teach me um whatever I could learn. And he was really excited by the fact that I was this young person interested in my culture, feeling quite disconnected, wanting my grandma doesn't weave and didn't weave. And she'd lost a lot of her cultural identity. You know, she was moved to Sherberg during the war. And he took me under his wing and really wanted to nurture what I was interested in. And he encouraged me to push this weaving technique that he taught me through just weaving the simple um, coconut palm fronds and said, like, you know, this can be fashion. Like, you go and do something with it, Grace. And so he's continued to be that for me to this day. And um, I'm very, very lucky to have someone like himself who's, you know, he's travelled the world and had has been a celebrated artist for many, many years and, is a huge inspiration to me and my aspirations. Yeah, it's just, it's great to surround yourself with people that continue to want to see you shine and mm. to grow. Um, so, yeah, it really started with him and I attribute my success to him really because there has been a lot of support, but specifically in that weaving technique and pushing where that could go, I never thought that a simple, humble grasshopper weave could propel mm -hmm. me in a space that I never thought would to yeah. travel that overseas and do all the things. It's just like yeah. crazy. <laughs> now, I want to go into more depth around your personal brand, but something you said then was leading me to a different direction around the fact that he was such an inspiration for you to see, I guess, bigger for yourself and bigger for your art practice. And I would say you were very much that vessel for a lot of people um, through First Nations fashion design. Can you talk yeah. to us a little bit more about why you wanted to co-create that and how that came about? Yeah, so First Nations fashion and design for me started as an idea I founded the Cairns Indigenous Art Fair Fashion Performance in 2013 and then was headhunted by the Darwin Aboriginal Art Fair three years later. And so I got to really be a part of seeing all these art centres and individuals creating their own artwork into fashion. And I, prior to that, I was also working in remote communities. I worked up at MOA. I worked in Mornington Island. I worked in Arab um, and over in Kananara to help 
the art centres translate their art into fashion because mm. I'd finished my degree um, in fashion design at RMIT in Melbourne and I'd done that for myself. I'd celebrated my culture through block printing and weaving with leather and doing mm. all these cool things that I thought it would be great to support others who are wanting to tell their stories through fashion. So in doing that, I guess it just really highlighted to me that beyond the art fairs, there needed to be an organisation that could support, and beyond me, there needed to be an organisation that could support these pathways of the ecology of the Indigenous fashion sector. Mm. And so that's how FNFD was founded <laughs> and we continue to grow the organisation. But yeah, it, it's hard to set up a charity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Uh, on top of all the incredible work that you do as an individual, I remember going to one of the FNFD um, runway shows in Brisbane as part of Brisbane Festival. And honestly, yeah, cool. it's like nothing you've ever seen before, isn't it? Which is like wild to think we're the longest continuing culture in the world. And it's only mm. in the last few years that we're having these platforms to really showcase our arts and our art practices, fashion, music, design, all of that. And honestly, it was emotional looking around the crowd, seeing how much it meant to so many people, particularly the old people mm. at the show and, and all of that. Yeah. And it is just such a special thing for you to have a hand in creating and also just like it's very like boss trailblazer like energy from you I love that <laughs> what does that future of like what does that look like mm -hmm. in the future like where would you love to see that go um I would love to see a First Nations fashion festival <laughs> yeah um I think that's a dream that we've been working on for a long time um I guess I just would like to see more support globally mm -hmm. um, and locally, uh, nationally from people seeing that, you know, they can be a part of our narrative and to share those stories through fashion. I just think that it brings us closer together. I think it's a form of reconciliation. I think it's a form of healing mm. for us as a nation. So I love seeing everyone excelling in this space, but I think we can just always do more. So I think seeing the brands grow and seeing these really cool collaborations is, I think all of that is a great, um, mm. Um, testament to the work that not only FNFD, but a lot of other organisations that are doing nationally, like we can't do it as independents. And I think that there needs to be more support behind all the programs that are happening. Mm. I love that. <laughs> and also the fact that something like what you've created with First Nations Fashion Design has seen the likes of, you know, artists and creators like Yarrabah who have gone on to have, you know, collaborations in David Jones and now on the iconic and it's like yeah those people are kind of like the examples for young people coming up whereas like we never had those examples but now we can see exactly. the holistic way of creating as a business as a creator yeah and not having to sacrifice your culture in a way yeah I think it takes a lot of responsibility of all of us to commit to not only our culture but also our businesses it's a mm. It's a, it's a fine line, but it's also like ensuring that what we're putting out there, there's a lot of respect mm. um, and time and care taken into how we present things. And we all want to showcase how beautiful 
our creative practices mm. are and what we have to yeah. offer. So I think that we definitely all don't drop the we don't drop the bar there yeah, <laughs> in terms absolutely. of how we present. So now I know firsthand how difficult it is to run a business, particularly in the creative industry. And also it's refreshing to know that I'm not alone in that as creators, we constantly think about our brand positioning, where we're sitting in the market and all of those sorts of things that a lot of people probably don't really realise is part of the holistic part of being a creative uh, business. Grace Lily and Lee as a brand obviously started as you, which is relatable for me as well, being my brand. But there has been some talks of, I guess, repositioning what that looks like and moving into more of a luxury orientated brand positioning. Can Mm. you talk to me about that process and what that looks like and what kind of made you so many questions sorry but I'm like I need to know all of these answers personally but so like what does like how does that conversation start yeah that's a good question Rachel (laughs) (laughs) um I guess it's just like trying to understand your market and who you're trying to target Mm. and where you and I guess the cost I unfortunately we have to put a dollar value to Mm. these things which sucks especially because you're wanting to provide something that we can wear and be proud of but then you also need to cover the cost Mm. and also position it in a space that where you think that the piece should belong so Mm. it's a really hard um, question and I think it's something that we're still working on in regards to positioning the brand. Um, it has been fun in regards <laughs> to imagining where it could go and I mm. think everyone, you know, where there's no limit to the dreams um, but it definitely is a challenge of trying to value yourself and your time and, and also you know, when you're wanting to look at having more people involved in regards to being able to support and value their time. Mm. I think that, you know, that's a dream for me for a long time has been wanting to set up somewhat of a social enterprise, I guess, um, through the weaves where Mm. other weavers can be weaving with me um, because I can't weave (laughs) as much as I need to be weaving and that's why I haven't really launched the brand yet I've been holding off on it because I've been so invested in the charity um, in setting up First Nations fashion and design I haven't been able to really focus on my own practice it's been an afterthought and a nighttime gig and a Mm. weekend gig and so I felt like I've had two jobs for the past long time yeah (laughs) And so now I'm very fortunate to have the support of Arts Queensland through Mm. a few grants, which has given me um, the support of people. Um, So our small team now has grown from not just me, but to three of us, um, including myself, which is incredible because it means that I I have help. <laughs> yeah. I actually thought that was such a flex when I messaged you on Instagram. I was like, sis, can we get you on the radio? And you're like, hey, um, sure. Can you just talk to my operations manager? And I was like, <laughs> okay, sure can. <laughs> no, I love that because 
you know, that personally, I feel similar in that like it's time for my brand also to grow, but then it's like, how do you grow something that's so connected to yourself and your identity and what does that look like? So how did you mm. identify the space where you could bring someone in to support you versus what you needed to still control? We definitely had hunted someone mm. <laughs> that um, I'd worked with in the past and seen their work and <laughs> felt that it was uh, the right alignment for, because it's a bit of a, it's a complex space that I'm working in because not only am I still supporting First Nations fashion and design um, through voluntary because mm. um, it's something that I felt like I birthed. It was like something that I don't, I'm not just going to let go and yeah. uh, until that's properly supported. Yeah. So, um, which is coming, it will happen. <laughs> um, so it was someone that needed to understand a bit of the, the government aspect and mm. organization and understand the nuances, I guess, of culture and fashion and art and how I'm very, like, I don't know, I think it would be hard to manage an artist because we're all <laughs> over the place. And <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know, there are a few nicknames for me, but I won't say those, but <laughs> there needs to be some decisions that do need to be made. But I think working together as a team and having a good relationship with our team, it's mm. really cool. So yeah. that it's not just like a dictatorship where definitely I like to listen to everyone's yeah. ideas and to be involved and invested into what we're doing as a group. It's like a testament to who you are as a person because I think naturally you're good at bringing the right people into the right spaces and the right personalities and just can you talk mm. to me a little bit about like the unique blend of tradition and innovation and how that kind of unfolds because the way that you're talking to me it sounds like you think that you can do a lot better with a lot of things whereas I look at what you're doing and think it's incredible. I see no issues with what you're producing. I just think it's absolute <laughs> perfection. What can we kind of expect for Grace Lillian Lee this year? As you as a person oh. and also the brand, I guess. Yeah. Well, I feel really excited for this year because this is the first time that I've really focused in on my brand. Yeah. And um, I recently relaunched my website and we do have a subscription so you can Amazing. subscribe to our newsletter. <laughs> Love that. Which, um, yeah, we will be um, keeping everyone up to date of the journey of what is happening. So, yeah, this is really exciting. It, um, things that I could have never imagined has happened. It's been a long journey to get here and we're going to continue growing the yeah. brand and excited to, for the opportunities that lie ahead and excited to share them with everyone. <laughs> yeah. I still find it wild that you're telling me that this is the first year you've fully put your energy into like your brand. And again, I'm like, but all the incredible things that you've done, you're telling me <laughs> is like weekends and late nights. Like the yeah. just, you're so inspiring for not only me, but also 
a lot of people in this community. You've created foundations for a lot of us to kind of grow and evolve and you've really paved the way for a lot of people. So it's really wonderful to have you on the show and to just pick your brain Thank and you, to Rachel. just celebrate you. And I, your new website Hello. did catch my attention. I had a little stalk and it looks <laughs> wonderful. Um for people who do want to keep up with your work, where can they find you? The best way, obviously, is like our online platform through Facebook and Instagram. But definitely the um, subscription on our yep. on our website will yep. be the most up to date um, and actual facts. Sis, yeah. thank you so much for joining us. It's like I said, I'm personally a huge fan and I know so many people are thank and you, it's Rachel. just incredible to see everything that you do um but yeah thanks I appreciate the support and love sharing and having a yarn with you and yeah let's touch base mid-year. Mid-year. <laughs> and just tell all the secrets I love that yeah well that is another episode of let's talk black arts and I can't wait till next week to bring another incredible guest but until then stay deadly no more whispering in our mind. Let's talk Monday to Friday at 9am no on AAA Murray Country, the National Indigenous Radio Service and iHeartRadio. You can catch up on AAA.org.au, proudly supported by the Community Broadcast Foundation.